The following podcast contains explicit language on explicit topics. Listening to Afterthought, an anonymous podcast for sexually active and dormant women. I'm your host, Epiphany Evans, and today with me I have Brianna. What's going on, Brianna? Hey, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here. Brianna is a very special guest, and she is my first non-anonymous guest. She's here to promote her very new and very sex-positive app, Juicebox. Brianna, can you tell us more about it? Yeah, Juicebox is an app available in the iPhone app store, and we connect people one-on-one to sex, dating, and relationship coaches anonymously. So we help people out with issues ranging from erectile issues to uh, people being single and they're tired of the online dating scene to women that haven't had an orgasm to couples that are struggling with relationship arguments or struggling in the bedroom, like they're bored or they have differing desire levels. And so we connect them with experts that are um, in these different specialties. And you can talk to the coach as much as you want, um, you know, multiple times a day. And the coach always responds in 24 hours. So it's like you have that sex therapist on demand. When you download the app, it's completely free to download and you'll be guided through a few short, simple questions that ask you about how your relationship or dating life is going, how your sex life's going, just so we can uh, customize our responses to you depending on what you need. And we want to meet you where you're at. And then you'll be matched with a matching expert, Caitlin, who will kind of get a little bit more information about what you want to talk about first, and then she will hand select the coach that's best appropriate for you. So uh, that's what your first experience will be like on the app. And we give, we can give all of your listeners a five day free trial with a coach, uh, completely free. And then after that, it's only $24 per week, which is way cheaper than the $200 per hour rates that these folks charge. And you can access them seven days a week. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much for that special offer, as I'm sure many listeners will take you up on it, myself included. I'm excited about your app, and I'm excited to learn more about you. So without further ado, where does your sexual evolution begin? My sexual awakening occurred a little bit later in life than I think compared to others. So I had a boyfriend in college, and when we we started dating when we were 18, And I think we were having sex for like a year or so before I actually ever thought, oh, I should just do this for myself. And so I think definitely I started being like sexually awakened while being with my first boyfriend. But I don't think that like personal connection happened until probably like a year into the relationship when I was a sophomore in college and the idea of like masturbation occurred to me. What factors contributed to your not being sexually awoken until so later in life? I don't think it's that rare, actually, because I think a lot of women experience shame around the idea of masturbation and Mm -hmm. orgasms. I think young men from a young age are taught that masturbation is normal and like everyone does it. 
but no one has that conversation with women, especially where I was. So I grew up in Knoxville, Tennessee. The context kind of there was that sex is not something you do until you're married. And we didn't even learn about birth control or condoms at the very minimum in school. And so that whole like topic was very shameful to be addressed, if that makes sense. And so I think it was basically just, I feel like among my group of friends, I was the first one that became sexually active. And so it felt like just my partner and me like fumbling around trying to figure <laughs> out what this whole sex thing was. And like some of my friends judging me for doing that. So then when you were in college, did you stay in Tennessee? Were you in a more liberal environment? No, I, yeah, I was at the University of Tennessee. And so that, those first two years of college, I think, made me figure out that there was something wrong, that people deserved this, because I struggled so much alone with my first boyfriend. And then I realized that everyone struggled with this topic. And I saw my very smart female friends couldn't even figure out where to get birth control. And these conversations were not being had. So actually, uh, my last two years of college, I started a local organization that provided sex ed to college students in Tennessee. And that's when I actually kind of like came out of my shell and became very, very comfortable talking about these topics. And it was seen as very controversial because of the political environment. And the state actually defunded the organization because I was at a public university. And then they passed a resolution legally condemning the organization and myself. And it was kind of like all over the news and blew up like I was on the Bill O'Reilly show. Oh, wow. Okay, so you <laughs> were a hometown villain. Okay. Right, yeah. Yeah, so I guess over, it went from, like, me being scared to even touch myself to, like, me being on the Bill O'Reilly show talking about sex, like, in a matter of, like, two years. Your efforts are so impressive. Like, sex ed is still something that we absolutely need in college. There's so much misinformation that we're fed uh, between the internet now and between teachers and media. So it, it's absolutely necessary. Right. Well, yeah, because, I mean, actually most states in the country don't provide comprehensive sex ed. So only 13 states in the country provide comprehensive sex ed, which means like talking about birth control and condoms and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And even in the states that do allow that, it's still usually not great. Like they don't really talk about pleasure or consent or communication. So most people aren't at all getting the information they need. And then when they're adults, they're expected to just be like amazing at sex and mm -hmm. amazing at relationships, but we've never been taught how to be. And so I think a lot of people have to learn through trial and error and that leads to bad experiences or even traumatic experiences and so what we're doing at Juicebox is really trying to help people talk about sex and relationships more easily and we do that by connecting you with those coaches and the coaches can be your role models and you can get that practice and then talking about sex and like navigating these issues isn't as hard in your relationships. I started that program about six years ago, and so I only help in an advising role now, and okay. it's been passed on to, because I'm in San Francisco running Juicebox, and so that program is still uh, thriving, which I'm really happy about, and it's been like, have, it's, it's privately funded now because of the backlash from the state. 
Wow. You had mentioned in an email that you're also a queer woman. When were you aware that you're queer? Probably in that first relationship in college because my partner also identified as queer. And so we were able to kind of explore that um, identity together um, in private with the fact that we were like in the South and our friends very much were not queer. So it was like we had our own little private relationship where we could explore that. Oh, wow. And when you were putting together your program, were you very openly queer? And if so, no, definitely not at, not at all. Because I mean, Tennessee's, uh, definitely not a friendly environment for that. Mm -hmm. How do you think your queer identity played a role in your putting all of Juicebox together and promoting your efforts and your interests? Well, I think uh, queer people are forced to navigate these issues at a much younger age and a bit more directly than uh, straight people are. So I think they ask a little bit harder questions when it comes to these topics and they kind of figure out, well, this, like something's wrong earlier. And I think that's why the sex and relationship coaches and the field of sexuality and sex researchers and sex educators uh, does lean more queer because people that are drawn to that topic, um, I think they've they've just had to like navigate it more intimately in their in their younger years. I, I like heard this quote from Dan Savage that said that he felt like people queer people have an easier time talking about these topics because they have to tell their parents and their mothers that what they do in bed, right? That they're like Mm -hmm. cocksuckers, which I thought was kind of funny, but it's true that straight people don't ever have to have those conversations. It's so very true. This is really interesting. I'm learning a lot. This is exciting. (laughs) Oh, Um, good. Yeah. The conversations that are had with coaches, are you able to set up like video conferencing? Is it all just through written word? Do you have phone conversations? Yeah, the way it works in the app is all of the conversation occurs via the app chat interface, and it's all text-based. So you can type as much as you want uh, multiple times a day, and then we'll always the coach will always reply within 24 hours. We may expand in the future to audio and video, mm-hmm. but a lot of people actually want to use a text-based communication because this topic can be very embarrassing and hard to talk about like face-to-face over video. And so that's why we started with the text-based communication. And we also paired this coaching with resources. These are guides, exercises, and scripts on different topics that we pair with the coaching to supplement the experience. And these are interactive. For instance, we have one on difficult conversations where you can input kind of what you're struggling with, what you want to share with your date or with your partner and it'll guide you through the process. And then at the end, it will automatically like reorganize itself into the script that you could share with your partner via email or text or even just like reading through it to get uh, ready to have the conversation in person. Fantastic. That sounds really nice. Yeah. So most of our users range between the ages of late 20s to mid 50s. We have slightly more men than women, but we have um, both. And we also are inclusive to LGBTQ folks. And our coaches, uh, we try to match accordingly. Uh, Like we try to give LGBTQ coaches to uh, clients that identify that way. Mm -hmm. And our coaches are 
um, certified. So they have PhDs in human sexuality. They're licensed sex therapists. Uh, they're certified intimacy educators. So we vet all of the coaches and pair them with the people that they best fit with. So we have coaches that specialize in, for instance, like female orgasms, and then we'll pair them with those clients. A problem we see is um, helping men figure out how to be better lovers to their girlfriends and wives, and then also empowering women to advocate for their own pleasure so we can close that orgasm gap. Oh, what a specialty to have. That's exciting. (laughs) (laughs) I think with your background, you probably have a really interesting, notably thoughty tale you can share with us. The the story that comes to mind is actually related to my uh, early years when I was talking earlier about my sexual awakening. So like I said, my uh, boyfriend identified as queer too. And so here we are in like conservative Tennessee being like 18 and 19 year olds exploring our sexuality, like very, very privately. And we like had to sneak to a sex store, like kind of more in rural Tennessee. Cause we were scared if we went to like one of the main sex shops that we might like run, run into someone that we knew. Cause we were like really paranoid, like 19 year olds. <laughs> and so we like bought, um, a strap on and a dildo and we had like no idea what we were doing and got lube and then we like snuck back and so we're you know it was like summer break so we were with our parents houses so you know we didn't have our own apartments over the summer Mm -hmm. so we're like sneaking around our parents houses having sex with which like everyone does right like when they're that age like they have hookups in their childhood bedrooms or in the basements at their parents house and so it was like very much similar to that experience except what we were doing is I was fucking him in the ass with a strap on which you know like if your parent walks in on that it's a little bit uh, maybe stranger than you're just you know a straight couple hooking up and so we were so paranoid you know being these young kids exploring their sexuality in Tennessee in our parents' homes. And it's funny, but it was also like really anxiety provoking because, you know, he was terrified that they would find the dildo and think he was gay. And I, you know, I was terrified they would think we were just like weirdos. And so we were constantly like hiding our toys and hoping that our moms didn't find them. How Funny. I love that. So then the third portion of the show, we play a little game like Truth or Dare, just called First or Last. So you decide first or last, and then I'll decide something from my list of scenarios. Okay, sounds good. So, first or last? First. Excellent! A lot of people go for last. Can you tell me about the first time that you felt shame? Okay, well, I guess, uh, yeah, one story from when I was really young. So I was in middle school and we had this program called stars which was not run by the school it was run by like eighth graders to sixth graders so it wasn't like approved by the school or anything and so the eighth graders would teach sixth graders you know like basic things to be aware of as you get older and included in that was like a chapter on sex and sexuality and so I think being had I've never been talked to about those sorts of topics. And since it was coming from other students, they were allowed to speak more directly on certain topics. Like they used the phrase oral sex and we like played this game where everyone had a cup of water 
And then, like, in one person's cup, they put, like, a secret dye. And so the game was everyone's supposed to, like, take a sip of the cup and then spit it in other people's cups. And then at the end of the game, like, everyone's cups of water were pink. And so they were doing that to show that if you have sex with more than one person, eventually, like, everyone gets, like, everyone gets the disease, which is the pink dye. And so you shouldn't, like, share your sexual fluids with other people you should only like marry one person only do that with one person your whole life and then also they like took a piece of tape and they like stuck it on my jeans and then they asked me to like take the piece of tape around the room and stick it on everyone's pants and then at the end they took the piece of tape and said like this is someone who had sex before marriage because the tape will never stick as well to another piece of tape. And so, and so like, that's what happens to you if you like sleep with one more than one person for the rest of your life. So that was kind of like my first exposure to those topics. And so I think I left feeling a lot of shame. That is so fucking gross. I'm so sorry. But that you experienced that. I, um, yeah, but that's like the whole southern United States, right? It's not just yeah. my experience, and that's, you know, what's wrong. Well, I'm so sorry, but thank you for sharing that super <laughs> yeah, sad story. Before we do wrap up this episode, do you have any final thoughts? Yeah, I would just say that if you're not having these intimate conversations with your partners, like, start now. Uh, ask them if they're enjoying sex, uh, advocate for yourself about how you want to be touched and what you want to do in bed. And if you want to improve your sex life, because it can always get better, uh, definitely connect with a coach on the Juicebox app. Excellent. Well, thank you so, so much, Brianna, for joining me today and your bravery and sharing your stories. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you again to my guest and to you, the listener. Connect with Afterthought on iTunes or Google Play by subscribing and on Instagram by following Listen to A. Till next time.